keeping in mind Mark Twain's comment on the doomed to failure process of writing New Year's resolutions, and he said, now if the accepted time to make your regular annual, now is the time to make your regular annual resolutions. Next week, you can begin paving hell with them as usual. Keeping those, my, those words in, comment, uh, in, in mind, four days into the new year, I will not have to ask how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions, or if you either bo even bothered to make them at all. After all, why go to the trouble? If you're like me, for example, you promise to develop a realistic attitude toward diet and weight loss. I always start with the pledge to work out five days a week. Then things get busy and my resolve gets watered down to three days a week. And when that fails, I settle for driving past the gym at least once a week. As an aside, dieting can be a religious experience. One little girl in our religious school told me that her mother prays each morning when she gets on the bathroom scale and she moans, oh God, oh God. <laughs> we, have a, uh, we have different excuses for giving up on our resolutions before we've started. But I wonder why year in and year out we fool ourselves into thinking this time it will be different. I propose a better way to solve the perennial problem of making promises that we know we will never fulfill and once and for all offer resolutions that we can actually keep. Here's my suggested list of 10 doable resolutions. <clears throat> 10. Stop exercising. It's a waste of time and besides jogging makes the ice fall out of your glass. Better still, join Athletics Anonymous, and when you have the urge to exercise, lie down until it passes. <laughs> Nine, read less. It makes you think too much. Thinking doesn't burn any calories and will only aggravate or depress you. Eight, starting tomorrow, procrastinate. Seven, don't jump off a cliff fiscal or physical, just because it seems like everyone else is planning to do so. Lemmings may be attractive, but they're rather stupid. Six, get into a new rut and enjoy your misery. Five, create loose ends and throw them on a pile. Who wants to be a neat nick anyway? Four, Focus on the faults of others and strive for your own personal perfection. Three, go further into debt. It works for the government. Why shouldn't it work for you? Two, believe politicians. Since they do not believe what they say, they're always surprised when others do. Let's help them out. And one, the number one resolution, never make New Year's resolutions again. Have you ever wondered why making New Year's resolutions is not part of Rosh Hashanah? Jews seem to make themselves better not by making pie-in-the-sky resolutions for behaviors we wish we could achieve but will not, but by not repeating our past failures.
That is the nature of teshuvah, of true forgiveness. It's a turning about in your behavior. Medieval commentator Ramban provided a guide for the process of teshuvah seeking. This is what he said. What constitutes complete repentance? He who is confronted by an identical occurrence in which he previously transgressed, when at another time it's within his power to repeat the very same wrongdoing, nevertheless restrains himself and does not succumb to the temptation because of a wish to repent and not out of a fear of authority. This, he says, is true repentance. Rather than look forward and making promises that, we, that will not be kept, Jews look backward and examine accomplishments and failures of the past year. In doing so, we hope that we can avoid the same pitfalls and the sins that trapped us during the past year. Thus, the Jewish New Year is not a time of wild celebration. It is a time of introspection. The secular New Year is prospective, looking forward promises to be better, even though we do not believe that they can be accomplished. The Jewish New Year is retrospective, looking back at our faults and failings, trying not to be recidivists, backsliders, who just re keep repeating the same self-defeating, destructive behavior over and over again. The liturgy of the New Year is not designed to comfort us if we are afflicted. Rather, it is designed to afflict us if we are comfortable, to disturb us if we have become too complacent. During the Jewish New Year, we read the acrostic litany of every imaginable sin, the sins which we have committed against God and our fellow human beings with intention or by accident, with malice or lust, overtly or covertly, through mischief, misdeeds, misplaced good intentions. We misjudge, miscalculate, misconstrue, mislead, misrepresent, miscarry justice. We make ourselves and others miserable. We are misguided, miserly. We bring misfortune upon ourselves and others. And this is only the M in the list of sins. There are still 25 other letters of the alphabet. This Shabbat, we begin reading Shemot, the book of Exodus, that focuses on the Israelite transition from Genesis narratives about the patriarchs and the matriarchs to the Exodus's account of enslavement and Israel's triumph, deliverance, and redemption. Exodus also teaches us about lack of compassion and inability to change. Exodus narrative focuses over and over again on the sin of imutz alev, the hardening of the heart. Pharaoh's hardened heart is a central feature of the narrative. How could this have happened to him? How could it happen to any human being? Did not the same blood course through, that coursed through Pharaoh's blood veins also run through the veins of the Israelites? Was Pharaoh's blood any redder than the blood of the Israelites? 
Did Pharaoh not have any feelings about the, don, the downtrodden? How could someone be so obdurate, so soulless, so deadened to the anguished cries of other human beings? Did he resolve to make his heart even harder in the Egyptian New Year? When we see such evil on a daily basis, we too become deadened to the plight of others. When we witness others who disregard the torment and affliction of the besieged, it is not difficult to understand hard-heartedness, as this account illustrates. When Rabbi Stephen S. Wise visited China in the years before World War II, he quickly noticed that the only means of transportation was by rickshaws pulled by old, weak, frail men who would cough constantly as they transported their riders. Rabbi Wise was horrified by this, and he could not figure out how this could cause so much suffering for the rickshaw pullers. He was unable to sleep at night because the hotel was right outside of where the rickshaws stood, and he could hear the rasping coughs of the old men outside his window. One rickshaw puller tried to reassure him by saying, do not worry, Rabbi Wise. In two more weeks, you will get used to it. In a month, you won't even hear it. And that is exactly what happened one day. Rabbi Wise commented years later, that day was the saddest day of my life. Indeed, time works against us. It just is not on our side. Pervasive compassion fatigue mentality desensitizes people to the suffering of others. And that is why resolutions to make society better have so little force. We mean to live up to our resolve. We mean to correct our failings. We, re we mean to recommit to keeping mitzvot, righteous deeds that are not resolutions but obligations. Obligations of shalom bayat, domestic tranquility, nurturing a peaceful home. Kahila, connectedness to a caring community. Hachnasat orchim, hospitality to strangers. Tzedakah, righteous giving, Talmud Torah, Jewish learning. Bikur Cholin, visiting the sick. Gemilut Chasadim, acts of kindness. Ne'emanut, faithfulness. Chesed, benevolent goodness. Tikkun Olam, perfecting the broken world. There is no substitute for these mitzvot. And failure to live up to them is a sin in and of itself. We are not afforded the luxury of choice or time. Mitzvot are an expectation of any Jew who wishes to lead a consecrated life. We do not have to rewrite the list each year. We know what to do. Reviewing how we fail to live up to these God-commanded acts is more pragmatic than absent-mindedly making resolutions that we do not plan to keep. 
The real message of the turning of a calendar to a new year is that time is not on our side because all flesh is like gra grass and flowers of the field that shrivel and disappear. As Isaiah reminds us, when the breath of the Lord blows upon them, man like grass withers and fades. Many of us would still like to make time to would still like to make time stand still and make these and other moments last so that we can take our sweet time to fulfill God-commanded deeds. When Hasidic master Yitzhak Yaakov, the seer of Lublin, died, his disciples divided his worldly goods. One took his books, another his notes, Still another, his study desk, one his talit, one his kiddush cup. When all his possessions were divided among his disciples, one devotee had neither asked for nor received anything. He was given the Rebbe's clock. But on the way home, he stopped at an inn but did not have sufficient funds to pay for the meal. And he offered the clock in payment to the innkeeper who placed the Rebbe's clock in one of the rooms. A year later, another of the Rebbe's disciples stayed at the same inn, but he had great difficulty sleeping. All night long, he paced back and forth, and when asked the innkeeper the next morning, asked by the innkeeper the next morning why he was unable to sleep, the disciple asked, where did you get that clock? The innkeeper related the story of the other follower who gave it to him in return for lodging and food. The follower said that the clock had belonged to the seer and it was a holy clock. He said, all other clocks in the world mark time from the past, from where we've come. This clock ticks toward the future, toward redemption. Every time I tried to go to sleep, the clock reminded me of how much more there is to do before the future can arrive <clears throat> and redemption be realized. Swift time passes inexorably in what Jonathan Swift once referred to as the sting of perishable things. It pushes us to reconsecrate our lives to tasks unfulfilled and to neglected mitzvot. No, we cannot hold back time, but we can examine our deeds and redouble our efforts at being better at avoiding the pitfalls we have been trapped by, as well as fulfilling mitzvot we have not yet accomplished. That is the only resolve, the only resolution that we need. And the psalmist provides us with a maxim that can guide our path in the new year. Teach us to number our days, that we may get us a heart of wisdom. Amen.